Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Um, we've been doing a series here that we've entitled, It's Complicated, It's Complicated. And the, the reality is, is that relationships, relationship, there is no easy peasy uh, formula for successful relationships. There is just isn't. Just like there is no successful, there's not an easy formula for success in life. There isn't. Nobody just graduates or goes to school without having to do your homework, without having to struggle and read and go deeper and, and go through the different cadence and processes of development of success. Nobody is born in success. Success is something that you toil, you work toward. Uh, you realize that your deficiencies, you, you identify your Zacchaeus, uh, your Zacchaeus issues. Zacchaeus is a person that was small in stature and all of us have to identify our shortcomings, uh, pun intended. Zacchaeus, short, never mind, our, our shortcomings. And, and if you're not honest with yourself and if you're in denial about your weaknesses, then that's already one of those huge weaknesses that may not be able to overcome. You cannot overcome what you don't identify. You cannot work on, on what you don't uh, acknowledge uh, areas of weaknesses. For men, it could be lust, guys, gentlemen. It could be already that you're heading in a direction that is totally uh, a downward spiral unless the Holy Spirit helps you put on the brakes and you get out of that um, cycle, if you will, of, of asking God for deliverance, having God deliver you, and then you go right back uh, to a, a mindset of, and, and you let your flesh lead you instead of allowing your spirit of God that sense of purpose and integrity. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a man of God. I'm married to a woman uh, of God. Or I have responsibilities as a father. And here you are, many of us, just struggling uh, to make things right with God and with others. So I want to encourage you today that the theme is it's complicated and it is. Relationships, there's nothing easy about relationships other than the decision to be faithful. Other than the decision that you're going to be faithful to God and to your spouse and to your children. It's complicated. I'm going to go and, and uh, the, the subject today is not to give up. Never give up. That's it. It's a very easy but very powerful principle is never give up. If you're able to embrace this thought right now that you're not a quitter, uh, that you're not a quitter, uh, then you're going to be well. You're going to do well. So if you, if you say, with God's help, I'm not a quitter. With God's help, I never give up. With God's help, I, I'm going to make it through. With God's help, I'm going to hang in there while others let go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang in there. Uh, I'm going to keep coming. Uh, I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep working on this guy that, that undermines everything that God has for, for me. I'm going to work on my weaknesses. With God's help, I, I, I will never, I will never give up. In the area of relationships, I want to just, uh, uh, there's people in the Bible that can, are, can serve as models as people who never gave up. Abraham and Sarah, uh, after 25 years, they received a promise and it was not available. Uh, one of their major faux pas, they committed a major stumbling, a faux pas, where they attempted to help out God using Hagar uh, as, a, as a servant or as a substitute womb and who gave birth to Ishmael. And then they, they were the first, by the way, extended mixed family in the Bible that we know of, uh, where there's more than one marriage involved or one more partner uh, or children that were outside of Sarah's and Abraham's wedlock or, or wedding or, or marriage. Uh, Sarah is 90, Abraham's 99, and yet they have no baby, and yet they did not give up. How many say amen? 
there's a, a, a young boy, a young man, Joseph, who had a dream about making it big. It was God's dream. It was heavenly. It was a, a heaven's dream. It was heaven. It was connected with a harvest as well with sheaves. And yet it never came at seemingly. The opposite happened. He had this great dream and the opposite happens. He's betrayed and he's sold by his brothers. Um, and he ends up in Potiphar's house in a slavery. Um, uh, Potiphar's flirtatious, fleck, feckless wife uh, basically uh, uh, tries to seduce him. He says no and he ends up in prison. And in prison, he's forgotten. He really is. He's abandoned by the people that he helped. And yet the Bible says God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. Uh, there are people in the Bible like Hannah, a barren for many years, Penina making fun of her, had children she did not, and she did not give up. She went to the house of God and she broke through. She was childless. Uh, she was broken and barren, but did not give up. And then she becomes the mother of Samuel, the prophet of God. How many say amen? There are people in the Bible like the woman with the issue of blood that after 12, 12 years hemorrhaging, more than just blood, uh, didn't give up. She made her way through a suffocating crowd. She was emaciated, emaciated, weakened down to the skin and bones, and yet she pressed on and threw and stretched her arms. And with the tip of her finger, uh, her fingertips, she touched the hem of Jesus' garment because she didn't give up. And Jesus stops the whole parade uh, and says, who touched me? And the apostles and Peter says, hey, everybody's thronging, everybody's pressing. And what do you mean who touched me? Somebody touched me in a way where I felt virtue. My power went out of me and somebody touched me. It was somebody who did not give up on the plight after being abandoned by doctors. How many say amen? Uh, I can go on and on. Jarius did not give up. David, Gideon, Samson, Rachel, Ruth, Naomi, all of the Bible is, is basically about and men and women whose circumstances were dire. They were impossible, impossible odds. And yet they had the one virtue that God respects the most. It's somebody who does not give up. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your relationships. Don't give up on your calling. Don't give up. Never, never throw in the towel. Uh, never uh, uh, hang up the gloves. Don't give up. How many say amen this morning? Um, um, I want to just... Um, talk about relationships. So Jesus says this, especially about marriage. I want to, it's complicated relationship, but I want to talk about marriage and uh, the temptation that happens today in modernity. Modernity is modern life uh, to just give up on your marriage. Um, you know, when things go wrong, um, there's, a, I'll never forget the illustration that a lot of us, when we were young men or young ladies, we were flirtatious, um, you know, and, and or you get you um, engaged in different relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, perhaps sex before marriage, and all. What, what that does, it's a it's a bad precedent. It's a precursor because what you do is you establish. I remember the illustration of a uh, scotch tape, and um, you know we were in a Christian environment, and this uh, teacher, this professor, brings in some scotch tape, and you know basically uses it to um, you know it's adhesive to kind of put some paper on the wall. And so his illustration was what happens when you, when something sticks or you use scotch tape and then you just rip it off and you try to use that same tape again. It has still maybe 40, 30% of it adhesiveness, but it loses most of its power to stick. And every time you engage in a relationship that is not righteous, that is not right for you, that is not holy, young men, young ladies, for those that, that tend to be flirtatious, for those that think you can engage and open a website and, and, and feel like you're going to rise above uh, the, the engagement of pornography, the stain, the stink, uh, the, the, just the miriness, the stickiness uh, 
of, of just engaging in subpar living, especially if once you give your flesh uh, access to things that it covets and it desires, especially through lust, you're in trouble. And a lot of us, when you were younger, you engage in relationships and maybe even you've gone through a marriage and now you're in your second marriage or your third marriage. Um, and the more you, you go through the process, and we don't, Lifehouse, we don't condemn, we don't judge anyone who's gone through a divorce, anyone who's struggled through a divorce or second or third divorces. We do have a limit. We don't allow more than five. We do. I mean, we draw a hard line. After five, chale, verdad? No, you know, you find yourself another church that'll take you. After five divorces. Why? Because the Bible's, you know, Jesus with the woman at the well, the Samaritan, she was five times divorced, right? Living with a guy and Jesus still found use for her. And that's our limit. We have limits in this church. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just, just for those of you that were thinking, hey, I could keep getting divorced. And, uh, um, but so I want to talk about what Jesus does. And he takes divorce very, very seriously because it hurts God. It hurts everybody. Divorce damages everyone, nobody. It's a, it's a, everyone comes out a loser, a victim. And a lot of times it's because we do not have the stick the ability to stick, the willingness to work things out, to hang in there, to, to let time help you, uh, to not just be so quick at abandoning your call uh, and your vows, um, your, your covenant vows that you made with each other, uh, so easily, thinking that there's an easy solution, something easier outside. Look at what Jesus says, that some Pharisees came to him to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator, God himself made male and female. Let me just say something here. So, so we believe that the marriage, that the, the marriage that God blesses, the marriage that God acknowledges as rightful, rightful and righteous is, is a marriage between a man and a wife. How many say amen to that? Amen. We don't judge anyone who's struggling with same-sex attraction, anyone that's here. We don't judge you. Uh, that just, just we would love for you to just understand the framework that, that God loves you and that there is a path for you and that this church loves you as well. How many say amen? Amen. Uh, for this reason, Jesus says, for this reason, a man shall leave, shall leave his father and mother and then unite. There's another word that is cleave, shall, shall stick to his wife. And the two, here's the secret, here's the secret sauce. The two shall become one. The true shall become one. Um, flesh will become one body, one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together let no one, let no one separate. So he, how many say amen? What God has brought you says, pastor, but it was a mistake. No, once you said uh, in covenant vows, I do, God sanctions. God put his stamp of approval. How many say amen? And what God has brought together. So the key is, pastor, you're struggling because you're struggling to become one. That's your real struggle. Uh, because inherently, most of us are inherently selfish um, there's a general that says that the greatest enemy of a good plan, the greatest enemy of a good military plan is the thought or the dream of a perfect military plan. And I want to just add that, that the greatest enemy of a good marriage is the dream of a perfect marriage. Thank you, Daniel. Is the dream of a perfect marriage. And there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Uh, there are only marriages that struggle. That's it. Marriages that are working on it. Marriages that are committed. Marriages that have decided 
I'm in all the time, all the way. I'm in all the time, all the way uh, with my wife, with my husband, with my kids, with this family. Um, there is no way out. And um, I, I just want to just real quickly, I want to talk about red flags, warning signs that your marriage is in trouble, warning signs that your marriage is in trouble. There was a survey of 5,000, 5,000 couples. This is a huge survey. Um, it was not a Christian survey, it's just a general survey, found striking parallels of men and women uh, that engaged in infidelity, different acts of infidelity, all the way to just being unfaithful to other forms of infidelity. And the top five reasons for women uh, that, that, uh, that where they engaged in infidelity, especially what is called emotional affairs, emotional affairs. Uh, one, they felt that there was a lack of emotional intimacy. 84% of them that engaged in infidelity felt that there was a lack. Men, listen, they, they felt emotionally abandoned. Uh, they were uh, married in name only. They had a husband that had a contract, uh, you know, a, a, a license, a, a marriage license or certificate. But that woman or that, their wife didn't feel like he's in, uh, like he loves me. Uh, he's emotionally vested in me. Um, and, and that's really important. Uh, lack of communication between spouses, 75% that engaged in, in, in infidelity, uh, 75% said it was a lack of communication. 32% of women said it was fatigue and they were tired in the relationship. 26% um, said they had a bad history with sex, uh, abuse. They were abused as young women uh, or, or girls. And then 23%, uh, they had a lack of interest in engaging in physical intimacy with their spouse, with their spouse. So they went outside the marriage. For men, 68% uh, of the men that engaged in infidelity was a lack of communication. Women, ladies, the man felt like disrespected. There was a lack of respect, a lack of honoring, and a lack of communication, a lack of deference. 63% uh, of men that engaged in in infidelity, they had family or financial related stress, financial related or family related stressors. 44% um, had sexual dysfunction and frustrations. And this is a reality today. There's a more, uh, there's a, a, a something in our culture leads to premature sexual frustrations and um, dysfunctions uh, in, the, in the sexual life of many, many men and women for that matter. And uh, a lot of it, there's a lot of uh, impotency, a lot of, there's a lot of impotency. Um, a lot of couples that struggle with fertility issues, even young couples. And I'd like for all of us, for all of you, just, just you're praying, you're married, you're, you're praying for a family. Uh, we want to believe for, with you and for you um, that, that God, part of God's plan for a marriage is, is for you to trust God, for, to, for God to give you children. Even if there's infertility, how many say Amen. There's nothing impossible for God. But that struggle is part of God's uh, way to lead you to depend on him. Here's some red flags that, that are indicating that your marriage is in trouble. Uh, here they are. One uh, or both of you are inherently selfish. You don't want to give away. You don't want to give up. You're selfish. It's about you. Even though you talk a good game, but it's really about you. And you get upset when you don't get your way. Another flag is you engage in, in fierce arguments that lead to name-calling. So you know your marriage is in trouble when an argument leaves, leads to name-calling or shaming or disrespecting the other uh, spouse or the other person. Your marriage is in trouble when you engage, uh, when one or both of you suffer from the Peter Pan syndrome. Never mind. Um, 
You're a Toys, you're a toys R Us kid. You never graduated from relationship junior high. Uh, you're in the school of unhealthy fantasies and unrealistic expectations. You expect things. Uh, you're in the school of naivete and nonsensical beliefs that your happiness is the end of all things and that that's what you're pursuing. Everybody around you is, lives and should be making you happy. And when you're not happy, you get upset and you let people know it. That's childish. Um, you know that your marriage is in trouble when, you're, when your finances are a disaster and disarray. You're in debt uh, to your eyeballs. There's no budget. There's no restraint. There's no communication. There's no plan to get out of debt. Uh, you know that your marriage is in trouble when one or two of you feel trapped. You feel trapped uh, and with a sense of hopelessness that how do I get out of this relationship uh, and still maintain your dignity? How do you blame the other person for your frustrations? Your marriage is in trouble when you no longer share or enjoy physical intimacy or emotional connection with your spouse. I'm going to say that again. Your marriage is in trouble when you no longer share and enjoy physical intimacy uh, and emotional connection with your spouse. It's, not, it's more about than just having sex. Intimacy is about loving, liking somebody, listening, laughing together, learning, uh, leading and living a life where Christ, uh, a life in Christ by, by, with, and for each other. Intimacy is holding your hands for no other reason than conveying to your spouse, I'm here, I'm present in the moment, for you, by you, with you, because God created me with the capacity to love you just the way he loves me. Because God loves me, I love you. God forgiven, has forgiven me, I forgive you, and I hold no grudges, is the spiritual way to move forward. How many say amen? You know that your relationship is in trouble when, when uh, you're with each other, but you're not really with each other. When you have little or nothing to say of any consequence, there's no depth to your conversations. They're all just light chatter, light talk. I mean, really light. There's nothing in depth. There's no dreams. There's no conversations. There's no emotional sharing. How was your day? And, and most of us men are very terrible listeners. Our wife wants, to, wants us to listen to their day. Or the wife will ask you, how was your day? Oh, it was okay. No, the, the wife will invent something. Say something. Okay, you're not with me. Uh, but, but the, the wife wants some details that the wife wants to know. Did you fight with Peter, with Paul? Is your boss, you know, treating you good? Uh, you know, just, just believe me. Just, just add a little drama to your conversation and the wife will eat it all up. Because there's a lot of drama mamas in this house. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Your marriage is in trouble. When you give each other the silent treatment more than you have conversations. Um, when you're afraid and unwilling to speak your mind, sister or mister, listen. Uh, because you're afraid of being misunderstood or you're afraid of being ignored or criticized or verbally attacked. A lot of men uh, are insecure. When the wife brings issues up, men, we tend to uh, just, just uh, react and reject and get upset and fake like, like this, this indignation. I like, I work and I bring, my, you know, I'm, I'm working and, uh, and you never stop complaining. And that's not true. That's illegitimate form of conversation and communication and or people are afraid of being rejected. So, so you stay silent. It's like that couple that was just basically they were down to just writing each other notes. They would no longer talk. And so the, 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 the husband comes home from work. There was a sign. There was a little note in the in the table. Honey, your sandwich is in the fridge. So um, he's looking for the remote, can't find it, and he hands the, the wife a note, honey, where's the remote? I can't find it. 
At night, he writes a, puts a little note on her pillow saying, honey, please wake me up at five o'clock in the morning. I have a very important interview at seven. And so he wakes up at 7.30 and he's all alarmed. And what happened? And there's a little note by his clock, by his alarm clock. And it says, Psst, honey, wake up. It's five o'clock. You know that your marriage is in trouble when you're in denial, in denial that something's not right. You know it instinctively, but you can't get yourself to admit it. You're preoccupied with other priorities, pursuits and people's needs and problems and not focusing on your own relationship with God, with yourself, with your spouse and with your family. Your marriage is in trouble when you're not best friends. You and your husband, you and your wife, you're not best friends. You have not learned to love and to listen to each other and to laugh together. You've not made it your priority that she is the most important. After God, your wife is the most important relationship on the face of the earth, period. Uh, your husband is the most important. And if you make your husband know and understand, I'm with you. Everyone has faults. Everyone has shortcomings. All of us need to have been forgiven and all of us need to exercise the power to forgive someone else because there's no one righteous. Not one person here can stand in the presence of somebody else and says, I have not made mistakes. I am sinless. Not one. So don't categorize your failures as less important or less serious than somebody else's failures. Now, when somebody else has chronic issues, especially with infidelity, that's a different story. When somebody tries to intimidate you, sisters, or bully you physically, sisters, don't take it. Call the cops. Don't call me. <laughs> call the cops. Okay, I'll support you. I'll write you that letter, that important letter from a pastor that you might need one day. But do not allow intimidation, no physical bullying. No man should use his size and his strength as a way to intimidate our wives or your daughters or your sons. God sees that as spiritual or physical bullying and nobody bullies God's children. Nobody bullies uh, daughters, the God's daughter. And before she was your wife, she's God's daughter all the time. And if you want to God, for God to bless you, you need to respect your wife and your, their space and your kids. Um, you know that your marriage is in trouble when you're not best friends with your spouse. And then distance between you and her or her and you and him keeps growing. So, so if, if that distance, if that communication, if that intimacy, like that, it's more and more distance. This is, this is a moment where God is going to minister healing to, I pray, to many, many couples. When you find yourself envying other couples' relationships, you know that yours is in trouble. When you fantasize about life without your, your, your life after your marriage. Uh, when you've stopped fighting with and for each other. So your marriage is in trouble when you stop fighting with each other and for each other. Uh, it's the difference to fight with each other and for each other than fight against each other. When you're fighting against each other, you're in trouble. But it's okay to have arguments. It's okay to fight. What you were saying is, hey, there's a misunderstanding. A lot of us, unfortunately, have bad tempers, bad temperaments. Sisters, don't let your husband's bad temperament fool you. He, he probably still is a, is a good guy. He probably loves you. That's all I could say. We'll stop right there. Because I'm in the presence of God and I cannot lie too much. Thank you, sister, for those of you there. When you stop fighting with each other and for each other, and I'm not talking about fighting against each other, 
Um, you know your marriage is in trouble when one of these, one or more of the big four relationship destroyers, here they are. You're a yeller. You're a screamer. Um, uh, you're, you're a dominator. You're an overwhelmer. And you can't listen. You, you yell. You scream. You raise your voice to make your point as if the more volume makes your point stronger. Uh, the number two of, 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 you know, big relationship destroyers, you're a criticizer. You criticize everything, everyone. Uh, you're sarcastic, you're cynical, you're negative, you're a blamer, you're a guilt tripper. And if that's you, your marriage is in trouble. Uh, you're, you're bent the wrong way. The number three that is a big relationship destroyer is you're a name caller. Uh, you're a humiliator, you're a shamer in your relationship. You shame people. Uh, you, you talk over people. You exert your, your physical uh, presence over people. And then the fourth one is you're a manipulator. You manipulate relationships. You, you, you fake crying or you fake being indignant. You're a faker, you're a hater. And those are the big destroyers. I'm gonna finish with this and then I'm gonna take you to three points that I want everyone to embrace here. Um, you know that your marriage is under, in trouble when you're on the verge or you are already having an emotional affair. Uh, and I'm not even talking physical affair. If you're engaged in adultery or fornication, you are in trouble. It's not hopeless and your marriage has hope, uh, but, but, but you're in deep, deep trouble. But if you're someone who's already engaging in, in social media affairs and or work-related affairs, uh, emotional affairs, social media, fitness gyms, gentlemen, sisters, be careful. Those fitness gyms, the devil's there. That's why I don't go... because the devil is right there waiting. <laughs> Associates at work <laughs> and other trappings that are wait unsuspecting uh, believers. You know that your marriage is in trouble uh, when you're on the verge or you're already having an emotional affair or that you're going to your friends instead of going to your spouse with concerns, with troubles, with your frustrations. There's nothing better than to have a friend that is that you call my wife. My husband, that's my husband, but he's more than my husband. She's more than my wife. Uh, Linda is right here. She's my best friend. Uh, she's my number one supporter, and I support her number one. I just, I just love her, and the kids are like, the kids are overrated. Right? Children are overrated. That's all I have to say. So, talking about warning signs, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be done here. Uh, you, your marriage is in trouble when you don't make it a point to spend quality time together. You don't schedule it. You don't make it like a point. We are. Uh, when date nights are a thing of the past, you're no longer each other's priority. Uh, you're a controller and you, or you're feeling controlled. Your partner is unwilling to, to help uh, or to get help and to get relational help. You're under the impression your marriage is in trouble when you're under the false impression that happiness can be found elsewhere with someone else. Uh, not realizing that you're the same guy with the same lady with the same hurts that you're going to take to the next relationship with the same baggage the same idiosyncrasies the same brokenness the same insecurity the same selfishness sin sin tendencies that is destroying or or undermining your current relationship chances are that your weaknesses and inability to engender and grow and maintain relationships uh, you are currently in will follow you to the next relationship and the next one after that and the next one after that and you're like that adhesive uh, scotch tape that after you can't stick with this one with this wife with this husband you're unlikely to stick with the next one 
just when I see some of you guys, you make me mad. I didn't mean to get mad. I just, it's just you guys, like when I see you, I get so upset. So the reason a lot of us struggle is because marriage is not a covenant. Now you can go to your notes. Here they are. Marriage is not a covenant. Uh, for many of us, marriage is, is, uh, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant with God and with yourself, and with your, your wife or your spouse. And it's not a contract. You may have a certificate of marriage, but that's just a paper with some ink. Your real relationship is with God. And you're a man or a woman of your word. And you said in an altar or somewhere, you said, I do forever till death do us part. Be a person of your word. That's what a covenant is, 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 is based, a covenant is based on mutual commitment. A contract is based on mutual distrust. That's the essence, that's the difference. Commitment versus mutual distrust. Uh, distrust. Uh, covenants surrender rights and you assume responsibilities. Contract uh, protest rights and shirks responsibility. Covenants uh, have the interests of the other in mind or the others when there's children involved. Uh, many times I've been had conversations with marriages that are struggling and I'll, I'll finally ask when they, when they seem to have irreconcilable differences. Pastor, this is not going to work. My ultimate uh, leverage is, sister, do you, you know, when, they, when I know they're a Christian, sister, do you love God or, or mister, do you love God, brother? I do, I love God. Do you love your children? Yes, I love little Junior. I love Junior. Junior. I'm on Junior. And then for the love of God, I tell you, for the love of your children, hang in there. You only have to live with her probably 30 or 40 more years and then she's going to die. Just, just think of that. The guy is bound to die sooner or later, I'll tell the lady. And then you can be in heaven for the rest of your life. Uh, because in heaven, there are no marriages in heaven. And it's, it's some guys and some ladies clap inside. Yay! No more marriage in heaven. Thank God. <laughs> I had this conversation one time with my wife that there's no marriages in heaven. She got sad. She got mad at me. As if I wrote the Bible. Okay, you're not with me, right? Because we're going to get married. We're going to be married forever. Okay, I'm so... Amen. Amen. So here we go. So God says, be on your guard. Malachi 2.16, be on your guard. and Do not be unfaithful. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. Um, and because God hates divorce, there's a verse that says, the same verse in a different version says that God hates divorce. The man who hates and divorces his wife, the Lord says, the God of Israel says this, does violence uh, uh, to the one who should be protecting her. Uh, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. So here's the three things I want you to take real quickly. Um, we, the, that's you and, and your spouse, we will make the choice to love each other. We will make the choice to honor and love each other uh, because Paul says that love is patient. Here's what love is and does. Love is patient, love is kind, love rejoices with the truth. Love is always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. That's what love is and does. Here's what love is not and does not do. Here's what love is not. Uh, and does not do. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not selfish. Love does not easily anger. Love keeps no records of wrong, gentlemen. No records, ladies. Um, love does not delight in evil and love never, ever fails. Love never fails. So Paul says, now these three remain faith, hope, and love. These are the power of faith 
the virtue of, 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 of hope and love. But the greatest of these, say it with me, the greatest of these is, is love. So Paul says, uh, um, and over all these virtues, here they are, the virtues, put on love, of all the virtues, faith, hope, and love, put on love, which binds them all. All these other virtues are bind perfectly in unity when you love each other. So we will prior prioritize our relationship. We will prioritize our relationship. That's the third commitment that I'd like for everyone that if you want your relationship, your marriage to scale, to, to make it through tough times, and you will have tough times, is you need to make your relationship with each other a priority. After God's, your husband, your wife is a priority, even more important than your children. Your children are important, but not a priority over the relationship, the health of the relationship. Uh, with your wife or your husband. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Just think of that. So you reap, you will reap what you sow. Understanding, love, patience, um, you will reap that. Consideration, uh, fidelity, you will, you will reap that. Um, let us not become weary of doing the right thing, of doing good, for in the proper time, you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The title of this message is Do Not never ever give up never give up um, uh, I love this psalm Psalm 126 5 and 6 for those that sow in tears and some of you are right now in a season where you're sowing tears you're hurt you've been wounded in a relationship or in a marriage or, or in a home a young man or young lady you come from a dysfunctional home and, and you're hurting you're weeping inside and uh, so but the Bible I love this promise that if you sow in tears you sow the right thing you keep coming to God's house you keep worshiping God you keep doing the right thing. You're weeping, you're hurting, but you're doing the right thing. The Bible says you will sow a harvest with joy. And one day you will like return rejoicing. You'll see your family, you'll see your kids, you'll see your marriage restored. You'll see your ministries, the gifts that God has for you in ministry. Uh, you'll, you'll sense God's anointing. God will use you to make a difference somewhere. Just hang in there, do not give up. Uh, if you're not being tortured, huh? if you're not being beat up day and after, well, yeah, if you're not being hurt physically, then, then, then don't give up on the marriage. So the guy's a dummy. I know. Right? Your mom told you not to marry him, you dummy. Remember? I'm oh, just kidding. Just kidding. So those who sow in tears will reap in joy. How many say amen? So the last one, here we go. We will trust God. We, at the end of the day, will trust God. We're going to trust him with all our hearts. We're going to trust God to make amends. We're going to trust God to lead the way. We're going to trust God for wisdom, direction, enlargement, uh, patience. We're going to trust God. So unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds, uh, the, its builders labor in vain. This is a powerful principle. Um, so building a strong house, a strong house. There is an article that just came out. Uh, Barna made a, a research, uh, Barna did, about there's a 99% chance your marriage is going to succeed, that you are not going to end up in divorce. You will, you will not divorce, a 99% chance to prevent divorce if you do these three things. I added a fourth thing because I'm a pastor and I wanted to guilt trip you into joining a life group. I mean, encourage you to join the life group. But, but this, this survey said that the couples that pray together, that pray together, at least once a day, 99% chance you'll never see divorce. You'll never see a divorce paper. Uh, couples that read the Bible at home or read the Bibles together, together, 
99% chance. It's, a, it's an antidote toward against divorce. Um, I, I thank God for Linda. We have a plan at our home where we're reading uh, five chapters every week together. The family is. The family is. We read the book of Mark and the book of Acts together already, all of us. And every once in a while, somebody forgets or Linda says, hey, where are you at in your reading? Um, there's no food. There's no air. We, we shut down the air until they finish reading. Uh, we choke the kid. Okay, all kinds of violence happens at the Gonzalez residence. Unless they read. Okay. No TV. That's violent for them. Like, what? No TV? Unless you read. Okay, so read the Bible together. Uh, attend church together. So 99% chance that you'll never see divorce papers. If you decide, uh, we're going to go to the house of the Lord. We're, we're going to attend church we're, we're going to listen to God's word. We're going to hear great worship like we've been doing today. And then the fourth one I added, it's not in the survey, but I want you to, you know, to serve and to do life together. Do life together in your church. Um, and I want to encourage you to take this opportunity where I'm going to close right now. And, and, and the, the Super Bowl doesn't start till 2 o'clock. No, 3 right? Three o'clock. We're going to have a pre-Super Bowl party here. We want to invite you, all men and women, couples, wherever you want to come. Uh, we're going to do our best to just have a great time together. But I, but, but it doesn't start. So I, I'd like for no one to rush out of here unless you haven't eaten in five days. I'd like for you to take your time. We have some tables out there that we want you to just kind of move and, and identify your posse. Identify the, you know, identify your group. Identify your felt need right now. What is it that you need? Where there is a life group, I believe, here in LifeHouse that God has designed for you, for this moment, for you to grow and for you to develop. And so Jesus describes the wise and the foolish, uh, the wise and the foolish builders. Here's the foolish. They listen to the word of God, but they don't listen. They don't, they don't do. They just listen. But the wise builders, they listen and they do. And when the storms come, both, both houses, both homes, uh, the same flood, the same storm, the same winds, only the home of the wise, the house of the wise, that listens to the words of God. They that listen to my words and do them, Jesus says, I will consider them wise. For they are building upon the rock of the word of God. For they're building their marriage, their relationship, their families upon the word of God, the rock. And uh, once again, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, uh, those laborers labor in vain. Would you close your eyes with me this, this day? I thank God for everyone that's here today. I really do. I thank God that you've come, that you've decided to be in God's house. Everyone here. Uh, I've seen some faces here today that just, it makes me, it brings me great joy, great joy to see you. Um, I have a heart of a pastor. I'm not maybe the best pastor, not the best speaker, but I'm uh, genuinely, I have a heart for God's people. And uh, I just want to pray would you, if you're here with your wife, uh, if your wife is beside you, would you take her hand? Uh, would you take your wife's hand? Um, I believe that there's something. Honey, would you come this way? Come, come. Daniel, stay there. Ellie, not you guys. I, I thank God for Linda. Now, most of you guys may or may not know her, but she's the real deal. Linda is the real deal. She is. She, she loves God. Um, she loves me. I know that. And why wouldn't she love me? I mean, why wouldn't she? Because I'm so humble. You're right. No, thank you. Go sit down. No, no. But I thank God for Linda. I, 
I don't know what life would be without me. And uh, like I said, all my four kids are right there and they're overrated. That's right. But I thank God for them too. I do, I do, kids. I do. Life would not be like special, not be like special without you guys. Um, and so I'd like for you to, if your family is here, would you stand up with me? Would you stand with me? Would you stand? Would you stand with me? Would you take your wife with, uh, take your wife by the hand? Just take her by the hand. If you're here solo, um, your husband is working out there or ministering, you're good. Um, your wife is ministering or working somewhere. That's okay. If you are right now doing life solo, you're, you're single, that's okay too. Um, but because it's better, by the way, to be single than to be married and miserable. It is. It's better to be single than to be married and miserable. Now, Paul says, if you're already married and miserable, stay that way. That's what Paul says. I'm not kidding. Paul says, if you're already married and miserable, don't you look like getting, don't try to bail out. It's too late. But you can always improve your marriages. How many say amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, I just thank you for your presence. I pray for your church. I pray for every marriage. I pray for everything that has happened that, that the devil has tried to use to bring you apart, to tear you apart. I come against the lies of the enemy. Your best friend right now is beside you other than God. The person's hand that you're holding, that's your best friend. That's your best hope. That's God's greatest gift, best gift after Christ. There is no greater gift um, underneath this sun in this life than that person's hand that you're holding. She or he is God's best gift and your best chance to travail and traverse through life. Uh, with a sense of modicum, with a sense of purpose, with a sense of unity, with a sense that we're building uh, together, that we're living for the one God, for the sense, or with a sense of eternity in mind, with eternity in mind. And so I pray blessings upon your marriage, and I pray blessings upon your life in the marvelous and mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God and God's people say, Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.